Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female puts herself first, sticks to her priorities, but nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, Episode 75. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Lauren Roberts. Lauren is an endurance sport and outdoors enthusiast, a distance runner, and owner and head physiotherapist at the Running Physio in Toronto. She is passionate about redefining exercise as a medium to connect with our feelings and emotions, and she values the empowerment that movement can provide people. A hard worker, but a firm believer in balance, I'll see if I can convince her to use harmony instead, Lauren values the simple things in life like good food, drink, and quality time with her friends and her two dogs, Brick and Floyd. You can learn more about her physiotherapy business on her Running Physio Facebook page or her running blog at therunningphysio.ca. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me, Robin. I'm so excited to chat. Um, when you first read the definition of um, kind of what I've culminated as an alpha female, what did you think of it and how do you identify as one? Yeah, I think it's it's a really great term and it made me sort of stop and pause. Definitely, if you'd asked me a few years ago what I sort of thought it would have meant to be an alpha female, I would have said it would have been uh, about taking on as much as possible all the time, completing everything 100% in all aspects of my life. Um, But today, now, I've got a bit of a different view. And I'd say that within that definition is also the idea that I'm able to identify the things I'm naturally really great at but then also focus my energy on using these abilities in their best light. So I love leading groups. Um, One of my favorite things to do are injury prevention talks to running groups because it allows my public speaking ability to really shine and also allows me to share good, sound knowledge with others, which is really energizing for both the group and for me. But I also think that there's a bit of a skillfulness aspect to being an alpha female and that that kind of comes in when you can identify what your flaws and your weaker characteristics may be. Uh, I'm at a really kind of cool place in life right now where rather than seeking ways to um, to fix a lot of the things that have caused me pain and suffering and anxiety in the past, I've learned how to own them instead. And this was really hard, a really hard thing for me to do as a person because I like being in control. But it's really empowering when you can say, you know, I am doing that thing again where I get fixated on completing a single task for a ridiculous amount of time. Like, whoops, my bad. <laughs> like it's it's maybe, you know, considered classically a negative trait, but it's okay. That's going to happen. And to take things to the next level. Yeah. I want to like kind of stop you on the fix thing. Um, and this has been popping up in my life. Like my boyfriend has said, um, like, I love that you love self-development, but do you realize that you don't need to fix yourself? Um, and that's been such an interesting theme to kind of understand that like, 
um, you know, using the words like I'm broken or I've got a broken past or I've all these things like it's so negative. And then it causes us to go into this cycle where we like, we use that fix or that, that broken side of us to be like the excuse, like, Oh, I'm not handling this well because I'm not fixed in this area of my life yet. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that sort of incites that where we're not human and that we're robotic and we can, we have these parts of us that can just be replaced. Or even in, in my profession, I see a lot of people that come in and say, can you fix my arm? Can you fix my back? And I say, well, no, but I can teach you how to improve it. <laughs> it's not about, you know, you're not a car. I can't take your leg off and, and put a new one back, <laughs> but we can embrace that we have pain right now and we can find another way to, to move in the way that you want to be that doesn't hurt as much. And in doing so, that's also going to have to make us accept some of our imperfections and our, our vulnerabilities. But that's also what helps us connect too. What, um, what, what made you fall in love with physiotherapy? Um, I think physio allows me to connect with people through movement. And initially I've always been an active person and I believe that we, when we move really well, we feel a lot better. But then I think as an extroverted person, it allowed me to sort of do a job that was helping people, but that also inspired me and energized me in the same sense. So while I do feel often quite tired at the end of the day, I know that I've been able to share knowledge with people to help improve their life. And I, I truly stand behind that idea that when we do move well, we do feel better. Mm. And you recently just went into business for yourself, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I worked for a private clinic for um, just under six years and uh, just recently made the step and opened up my own clinic under the running physio, which is a little bit more geared towards the active population. I, I, I of course, love treating runners because that's where my own passion sort of lie, but the doors are open to anyone who wants to use movement in order to make themselves feel better. Mm, I love it. So yeah. let's kind of segue into what are you most passionate about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, I like this question, but I think my answer is sort of on the lame side. So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really passionate about living life moderately. <laughs> so one of my sort of biggest peeves with the current state of lifestyle information uh, and media is that the idea that there's this sort of, again, back to the fixing theme, there's one single fix for a problem that always promises this improvement of happiness or betterness if you do more or less of a certain thing. So, um, you know, the idea of superfoods, you can eat this magic food and you'll feel instantly happier. Or again, a huge pet peeve of mine is do this one exercise and you'll look better or you'll solve your back pain or you'll have your six pack. So in the physiotherapy world, there's so much frustrating hard lines that just drive me crazy. Um, along the same lines is that running is bad for you. So the single one liner that if you do all this running, you're going to have all these problems and your knees are going to break down and you'll be forever in this, this future world of pain. And so as humans, I think because we like seeking answers to problems and our brains are efficient and really quite lazy, we always look to find the most efficient solution. But the problem is, is because we're so complex and we're so dynamic that there's rarely anything as just a single one fix for these things. And pursuing that, these constant single fixes causes us to live very tight and rigidly with all these various rules. 
So now if we start to break these rules, then we start to feel frustrated and we feel empty and guilty and like failures because we haven't been able to execute the thing that should have been the fix and a promise of happiness. Um, and you know, barring some health concerns, if you go out for dinner, maybe have the dessert or share it with a friend. And if you want to stay up late with friends and have a glass of wine, then, then you can do it. Um, I need to make love to a hamburger every so often. And sometimes I have two and I love, you know, the occasional indulge and a little bit of excess, but mainly it just keeps perspective on my life. I, I don't think we're here to deny ourselves these pleasures or feel guilty with them. But I also think that it's important to keep, you know, everything else in check. And if I have a burger on the weekend, I'm going to eat a little bit more cleanly during the week because I don't need to have more burgers. Um, I don't think we need to control every single thing in life, you know, and this by not having to worry about those rules and constantly living so rigidly, I'm much more able to put energy into better places, namely myself and other people. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. So as you're talking, like things that are coming to mind is I've been healing, um, a hip injury and, it was, it was very interesting because, you know, I go to one practitioner to see like, can they figure out what the problem is? Uh, we, we figure out potentially what has caused the hip injury. So then I go into like my full holistic care mode. So I'm like, I'm, I'm at the acupuncturist. I'm going to see my RMT. I'm going to see a Reiki practitioner. I'm in with a physiotherapist. I'm in with my chiropractor. Um, and after like, three, four months of care and rotating through the practitioners, it's getting better. And someone's like, okay, so, so what did you do? I'm like all five things. And they're like, no, but, but what, but what healed it? I'm like all five things. <laughs> like, um, and, and as a, as people with limited time, they're like, but I don't have time to go to five different appointments a week. I'm like, well, then it's going to take longer. You're going to have to, you know, pick and choose your appointments, do one or two a week. And then, and then that problem will, you know, it'll get solved, but it's slower recovery. It's slower. Rehab. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we all want checklists and especially as alpha females, we love the checklist. We love achievement. Absolutely. We love it. So it's like, tell me to go see the running physio and my hip problem will be better. Can I just check that off the list? Well, no, well, no. So yeah, that's, uh, I, I understand where you're like, frustration is, but it's nice that you then take care of yourself in a moderation, um, kind of lens so that you can be more for the passions that you're choosing. Um, so I find, I find, I find that super interesting. So as you've gone into business for yourself, take us through what your work-life harmony looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one problem is that Work-life harmony, which I do love that word, and you might convince me by the end to, to stick with harmony versus balance, because it definitely is a more articulate way, and I think the way that I ideally like to live my life. Uh, I think a big thing is, is we struggle with finding what that means these days, because the media portrays that idea of work-life balance or harmony so poorly and so extremely. Uh, on one hand, there's a huge push that more is always better. And 
you know, everywhere you look, there's billboards of make your day more effective, getting up at 5 a.m. and working harder, better, faster, um, stronger. The running community is huge for this. So buy these shoes and you'll be able to, to train harder and go longer and be faster. And those things are great. They're not, they're not bad. I'm not coming down on, um, you know, achieving what you want to do. But on the flip side, there's sort of this other prominent theme that, you know, we plant ourselves in front of TV and watch Netflix for hours on end. So it's, it's like, well, what am I, what am I better to be doing here? Am I just better to say, forget about all my massive ambitions and just plant myself in front of the TV and do all these resting things? Or should I be getting up at 5am and, you know, busting my butt every single day for 14 hours? And it's hard, I think, as an individual for you to feel what that should be for you. Um, naturally as a person, I tend to fall into the first category. In fact, growing up, my mom always called me hurricane Lauren. (laughs) So I have a hard time sort of stopping to rest because I always feel like I can be doing more, more efficiently. But I also know that if I see a lot of patients in the day, um, although I try and limit that, or if I haven't slept well the night before, I I cannot perform the next day. And that's a funny thing because it's one thing to say that you sort of have cognition around that and another thing to feel it, especially when my impulse as a person is to always want to do more. And it's also sort of counterintuitive why, you know, I should be getting up earlier in the morning or staying up later night, late at night to get more done. Isn't, isn't that better? Isn't that more successful? But I know now from basically several years, years of trial and error, that that's not the case. And I absolutely need to go to bed, you know, an hour early and read a book so I can settle my brain in order to get a good sleep. Um, and if I do that, then my next day will be more effective in a shorter period of time versus groggy and irritable, or I'll be able to train a little harder, you know, I'll have a better run. And really maintaining this has become a huge priority for me. And a lot of that comes with being mindful sort of minute to minute and hour to hour in the day as to where my energy is going. Otherwise, I absolutely know that I tend to slip back into that more is better mode. Mm-hmm. So, and I am, um, yeah, I definitely have the, the like the lens on work-life harmony and the way that I've explained it several times is that your work and your life flow all together. And it's not about trying to find equal parts and so that's what that's what I love about using the word harmony. Um, but I think the only part that like hasn't been a conversation yet on the podcast is that. Well, how do you figure out how much uh, you know hours of work to put in a day, and then how much hours of life or self care and fitness and all of that? Um, and we haven't added in a conversation about intuition yet. Like your body intuitively knows what you're capable of in a day. You like you know when your energy's high, you know when your energy's low. Um, and as a f- alpha female, you know when we're so good at prescribing and scheduling uh, and time blocking and all of this stuff. When our body all of a sudden like flips this like the script on us and says, "Oh well, but today you're tired. Like let let it let's watch Netflix. Like yeah, your brain doesn't have any capabilities of writing emails to your email subscribers right now. So let's let's just sit down. Um, but that's really really hard for I think an alpha female who's um, you know, very, uh, 
you know, scripted most of the time. So, uh, I love the fact that it really is intuitive and, um, so personal and that, yeah, like you listen to this podcast to get tips and tricks, but I'm sorry, at the end of the day, you figure it out for yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And, And intuition is, is definitely something that exists in all of us, but I think we tend not to cultivate because there's such strong messaging that is constantly put out to us all day long telling us what we should be doing. But yeah, just to take that pause, you know, even if it's in the bathroom while you're washing your hands in between a patient and saying, how am I doing right now? Like, how am I feeling? Okay. I'm kind of tired. Like maybe my run tonight's going to be a little shorter. And you know, just that kind of constant reflection, it, it might take some effort at first, but that's, I think a really great way to start to, to tap into exactly what you're saying is that intuition a bit. It's tough though. It's tough. So tell us about a time when you felt out of whack and what was like a huge aha moment when you said, you know what, like I can, I can take care of myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, I competed, uh, really competitively in the triathlon world for, uh, about four years in 2015, I qualified for the 70.3, the half Ironman for anyone in the kind of triathlon circuit the world championships, which took place in Austria in September. And so this was great, but my day-to-day life included a good solid 40 hours of work at a, at quite a big, busy sports medicine clinic at the time. Um, 18 to 22 hours of hard, hard, hard training with my coach, uh, eating and sleeping somewhere in through there. Never mind a complete lack of social life. And then of course you've got your sort of life admin tasks around there too. <laughs> One of my favorite terms, which the, the food prep, that's really important to me, groceries, laundry. And of course I was trying to hang out with my boyfriend, uh, now husband actually. Well, at least your so relationship survived. Sort of <laughs> completely insane. Oh man. Sometimes I think if it wasn't for him, <laughs> I might've not made it. So, but we got through that. So I feel like we're on a, we're on a good path. But yeah, it was totally insane. Yeah. And I remember just feeling so sad and and frustrated. And it was so weird to me because it's like, this is what I wanted. This is the goal that I've been training for for years. And I'd set this goal and I'm doing it. So why now that I'm here, am I so tired and depressed and unmotivated? And with some reflection, I just realized I missed my friends and I missed having um, casual visits with my friends. And I had a new nephew at the time on Sunday afternoons in the summer, uh, you know, the barbecues going, sun is out. And instead of getting to do all those things, I'd be out for these four, five, six hour bikes and runs. Um, And again, my husband did these for me, which was, or with me, which was amazing at the time. But I remember one specific one, one specific ride, I was out on a Sunday and it was so hot and so windy. We had left for my in-laws place. And after this terrible bike ride, we got back to, uh, my in-laws place there. And I just collapsed on the lawn in this total mess of tears and sweat and blood. I kind of had a a minor tip and fall while I was out there. So it was just sort of the world was crashing down on me and I was so, so, so unhappy. And so anyway, I, I ended up racing in Austria uh, it, the race predictably didn't go all that well, which really in retrospect is not that surprising. And after that, I decided I needed to take a real break. And so during my break time, I really started to come around to the fact that perhaps I was just so intent on competing because there were all of these other parts of me that I was secretly deep down really unhappy with. And because I'm so good at working hard and training hard, it was easier for me just to let that part take over 
And triathlon became such a big part of my identity that I had to do a lot of sort of quite painful self-research to be okay with myself if I wasn't winning races and if I wasn't training, you know, 22 hours a week. So I enlisted the help of a really great sports psychologist and mental performance coach. And with a lot of his help, I really kind of came around to realizing that I'd made the assumption that being good at triathlon and endurance sport and winning would equal happiness when in fact I had it totally backwards, assuming that winning equaled happiness, (laughs) not the other way around. And, you know, it's these athletes, the athletes who enjoy training and they enjoy the journey. And when you enjoy all those things, then success will follow. It's not necessarily about winning and then assuming you're going to feel better and happier after you win. Um, ironically enough, after I raced, I never went back to triathlon and it, it's just not a healthy space for me to be. And I've been way happier and had so much more energy to pursue other interests like opening my little clinic here this year and getting married last summer and, you know, all, all these other things in life, like seeing my nephew and my family and friends. And like, I still love competing, which is why I keep that part active via maybe just running in life. But, uh, it's a lot easier than trying to keep up with three sports. Yeah. So of all three, <laughs> Are you still, I'm, I, cause I feel like I still see biking pictures on Instagram. Are you still biking or it's like every now and again? Yeah. Um, I bike, I bike sometimes. Um, it's mainly just pretty recreational for me though. Um, like I actually still really in, in, do enjoy biking quite a bit. I think the speed aspects of it is, is pretty cool, but I, uh, have absolutely zero desire to compete in any capacity with it. Mm, awesome. So do you want to tell me how to get over my fear of the speed on the bike? Cause I like hit a hill and I just like, I, it's like pure terror, pure terror. Yeah. I kind of got to embrace it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'll work on that. <laughs> there's one thing, there's a phenomenon called the speed wobbles where if you're going about over 30, 35 kilometers an hour downhill, your bike kind of starts to do this wobble back and forth. And it's utterly terrifying. And all you can do is hold on. Hope you don't hit a bump. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I don't blame you. <laughs> um, okay. So let's totally. go. Now, now that we're on this subject, tell us um, what your weekly fitness routine is like then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, fitness is still a huge kind of part of my life, uh, especially given my job is about a lot, large part of it is about promoting fitness. So I'm still pretty involved, especially with competitive running right now. I'm training for a few marathons coming up and I've got actually a big trail marathon this summer that I'm doing in Quebec as part of a relay team. And I'm hoping to, uh, uh, get my legs together for Boston in the next couple of years too. So I have a coach and that's a decision that I made a couple of years ago, mainly because he does all of my run train planning and it, Again, it leaves me more energy to just basically do what he tells me to do and um, not not worry so much exactly how the day-to-day training schedule has to look. So I run run about five times per week and a couple of harder sort of speedy tempo runs in there, a long Sunday run as well, um, usually one for hills and then a recovery run. And I'm also part of a Toronto racing team called Black Toe, which is a group based out of... um, downtown mm-hmm. and that, did you that know that I actually awesome. coached beginner runners there oh no way that's awesome yeah I so, didn't know that yeah, yeah like way back when while I was still in Toronto I had been asked because 
I talked a lot about how like getting into running and how, you know, the Toronto running scene can be really intimidating with all of the different things. And so, uh, the owner actually had me come out and help coach, uh, some of the beginner runners alongside him. And that was so much fun. It's so great. Cause yes. a lot of them were couched to five Kers, And now in the past few years, I've seen them all attempt their first halves and first fulls. And I'm just like, I feel like a proud little mama. It's so true. It's so true. And that's definitely one of my favorite things with my job as well. I'm, I feel so fortunate that I get to sort of walk people through that and, um, especially if they're coming off of like a newer runner, for example, who's sort of got injured right off the bat and to see them get over that and conquer, uh, you know, the 5k, 10k getting into those halves is, uh, yeah, you feel like the proud mama hen. Definitely. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so take us through now. How do you nourish yourself on a weekly basis, you know, working full time and training? Yeah. So Food to me is really, really important. Um, I need a lot of food. I find with a pretty active job and with the amount of running that I do, I really don't re- believe in any, well, for me, actually, uh, food restrictions don't work. And back to sort of, again, I feel like we're finding a bit of an intuition theme here and actually maybe didn't realize I was more intuitive than I maybe thought. I can, I just sort of give my body what I feel it needs. Um, so a lot of high quality carbs, a lot of high quality protein. Uh, I do eat meat, but I always try to get it from, there's a local butcher, fortunately, right around the corner from us. So, uh, he knows me by name and I make a daily trip in, in to see him. And then because I find it, it's tough. I don't drive throughout the week. I also get a veggie bin that comes to my house as well twice a week. So I know that I'm getting nice organic, uh, produce that comes right to my door as well. I really try to to menu plan, but I find that that tends to go by the wayside. But I find at least if we we have good options available in our house, it's pretty simple to put together, you know, a protein, a veg, and a, and a carb um, without too much time at the end of the day. And I also sort of find that I I enjoy the cooking. It's kind of meditative meditative for me as well, just to get to create something with food um, after a busy day of seeing clients. And then I suppose that sort of segues into part two of one of my favorite things to do in terms of nourishment is maintaining a a really simple meditation practice, even if it's just a few days before I go to bed or first thing in the morning. um, I really think it's something that once you stick with and you've sort of stuck out for three or four months, you won't regret it. I I know I used to think I sucked at it and that was because I needed it the most. (laughs) And so you know, once I sort of practice that, it's something I find I crave day to day. And if I miss a few days with it, it, I can feel my sort of anxious monkey brain coming alive again. And I know that I need to just have some downtime away from this very extroverted Monday to Friday life that I tend to live just to sort of sit in my head a little bit. Mm, Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what other ways do you wind down, um, at the end of the day or the evening before going to bed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely if I've had these late night run workouts, particularly with the team, I tend to come home feeling really sort of jazzed up, overstimulated. Uh, I'm really big with the screen time. I know that's getting more and more attention these days, but I've recently switched back to paper books. I love reading. It's especially like you know, ridiculous young adult fantasy fiction that takes me somewhere far away from where we are. Um, I don't care to read about more running and about more physio stuff at night. I just need to sort of get into a good book. 
but yeah, I've switched back to those paper books, keep my cell phone on flight mode, uh, after 10 PM, I've also got a separate phone for work and that just goes totally off after 6 PM. And of course, anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with my six year old bulldog who's named brick. And, uh, he just, is the cuddle king and he's always game just to have a good belly rub and an ear scratch for, you know, even 10, 15 minutes at the end of the day. And it's pretty hard to feel stressed out when you're cuddling with a bulldog. Mm, What's your other one? Is he a bulldog too? No, he's a chocolate lab actually. So you've kind of got your pick. If you want to go running through the trail, you just want to, you know, chill, you can hang out with Brick. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. I have two high energy dogs and I would, I would love for one of them to not be because then I would feel, then, then I wouldn't feel bad because if I take havoc for a run, then I feel horrible about leaving Rogue at home. But trying to run with two big dogs is just like way too much effort. <laughs> That'd be tough. They're also younger, so they'll chill out a little bit more when, when they're a little bit old and they'll be more game to, to cuddle with you. Yeah, I don't know. Like Rogue, uh, well, both of them cuddle morning and night, but daytime, it's like, don't touch don't touch me. I've got energy. And I don't think a Dutch Shepherd will ever calm down. Like if you've ever, uh, yeah, if you've ever met such that breed, breed. Yeah, yeah. But she, yes. The only time she's exhausted yeah. is if we've like put her through her paces and she's just like, thank you. You made me work. <laughs> but isn't it nice to have a four-legged running partner? Oh, it so is. And I've we haven't run Rogue yet because she just turned one, and I'm adamant about not running them until their hips have fully developed. Um, exactly. That, that's my prehab for dogs. Um, but Havoc and I have been like running buddies for a year and he's even done like a half marathon training distance with me. Wow. Oh yeah. He, he loves it. Um, that's amazing. mm -hmm. But trail running with him is a little hard because, uh, if he sees a squirrel or anything, he'll like cut in front of me. Like I've flipped over him so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's just that instinct kicking in. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. So as an alpha female, we usually have, um, a pain point or many, uh, singular or plural that we're trying to problem solve for. So instead of thinking that we need to fix something, we won't go down that line. Um, but what's something that you're always trying to figure out a new solution for? Yeah. Um, one problem that I have to very actively manage day to day is that because I feel I invest so much of my own energy into helping other people. I naturally and very instinctually feel very let down if I don't feel the same of respect coming reciprocally back from someone else to me. So, uh, for example, I can get really frustrated with patients when I'm at work if they, they don't do the exercises I've taught them. And I'm sure right now there's people listening going, Oh yeah, that's, that's me. And it happens to the best of us and that's okay. But you know, I've, I've specifically given those exercises to, to you for a reason. And I've thought it through and I have progressions and regressions and there's logic and energy behind that. And I really do give it my all, uh, when it comes to that. And, you know, that's okay. It's not my role to save one person at a time. Uh, all I can do is, is my very best for people. And I can also realize that everyone else has their own life going on and their own schedules and their own families and friends and their own personal issues that they're working through. And you also have to be in a space to want to help yourself. And I can't take that on. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop setting high expectations for people because I think that oftentimes 
people don't think highly enough of themselves and they're seeking out help. And one of my, my roles is to encourage them to be the best that they can be, whether it's uh, mentally or physically or in relation to a performance. It just means that I need to realize that we're all doing the best that we can. Mm. And oh, this is such a timely conversation too. Um, but it's interesting how when we say like we have high expectations for people because, you know, out of like pure care, like we care about the human race. We care about whether it's for you, your patients, or for me, you know, podcast listeners, blog readers, social media acquaintances, like there's so much care for them. And so we, you know, we say like, we want them to do better because we know that they can and we know it'll, it'll, it'll make their life easier or better or any, like any type of like positive adjective you want to throw out there. Um, but then when they, they don't follow, you know, a plan or a thought pattern or actions that we would do for ourselves, we're like, but why, but why we just, we just want the best for you. And then it comes across as, um, for many people, right? Like judgmental, um, just like, why, like, why are they on me so much? I feel patronized and all that stuff. Um, but it's like, it's coming from a place of care. So how do we soften our tone? Uh, you know, really be careful about our choice of words, but still provide our honesty and utmost care and, and high expectations for people, um, so that they still have that kind of coach or plan or framework that, um, will assist them. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so there with absolutely. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it has been awesome chatting with you and I'm so excited for this question. Every single guest has a different answer and it always makes me smile. So share with us, what is your definition of happiness? Yeah, this, this is a really great question. Uh, to me, and I've found this especially more in the last few years and even linking back to the the rigid life I was leading with so much training. Happiness to me really means having choices. Um, it means having space throughout your day to make decisions based on how you're feeling and, you know, having that pause to, to check in on yourself. And it means allowing yourself enough sleep and time to prepare meals and then sharing those meals with people who, who you care about and who you love. Uh, it means you're not drowning kind of half-heartedly in these self-imposed commitments, but you're just excelling in the ones that you've already made and you've chosen specifically. I think it means using your body in a variety of ways and redefining exercise to mean less about the aesthetic of how you look and making it more about really valuing yourself and connecting to your feelings. Um, I think it's also admitting when you're wrong and being open to new ideas and realizing that what might work for you might not work for somebody else. And when we can do all this, we can be open with other people. We can acknowledge that we're all living our own individual struggles. And within this, we can use that as a way to foster connection. And uh, it also means a really good hamburger that's preferably medium rare and with some extra pickles and some hot sauce. Mm, pickles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on the pickles and now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. And it's lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate how you're showing up in the world. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Robin. It was a real pleasure. For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download 
with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast up of choice. Go do it now before changing to the next episode. And just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbeldrin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.